It's 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. A little bit later on in the program, we will be having a one-segment discussion of the story that everyone is talking about. All right, so uh, the New York Mets are, are kind of a disaster this year. They were predicted to do pretty well, and they're five games below 500, and they're flailing, and they've had one scandal after another involving the team. And so last night... They're playing the Brewers. They're getting drubbed. It was seven to nothing. They ended up losing seven to one. And their mascot, um, Mr. Met, is seen like walking through a tunnel. And there, there's a fan that's got a cell phone video going. And the fan says something to the mascot. We don't know what the fan said to the mascot because there's no sound. But the mascot then turns around and. Now, the story is that, that he, he raises the middle, his middle finger. Well, actually, the mascot only has four digits. So it's technically not the middle finger, but there is no question at all what the message the mascot is trying to send. And then the mascot, of course, compounds it by the classic New York gesture of, you know, raising the one hand and displaying the digit and then like giving the other arm underneath it. It's, if you want, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on. And I do have a, kind of a larger point question to ask but if if you've been hearing everybody talk about it and you want to see the video if you text the word met m-e-t as in mr met but just met to 414-799-1620 which is the acunet mortgage talk and text line we'll send you a, a link to the video it's got all the appropriate warnings on it okay it's the mascot making what is generally perceived to be an obscene gesture. So, But if you want to see it, what everybody's talking about, um, if you text the word MET to 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, we will um, share it with you. Um, uh, uh, an announcement uh, coming up a little bit later on in the program, something I have not done, for, done in years and years, um, I'm going to do again. I'm going back to the future with this one, and I'll tell you all about that a little bit later on. This is also going to be one of these shows. I'm just telling you in advance. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to go through a number of topics relatively quickly today. It is going to be a more fast-paced show. I think the show in general is fast-paced, but it's going to be a more fast-paced show in general. We start off today's program like we start off every program, three big things things that I think you need to know about to discuss, whether it's at the gym or at the lunch table or whatever. Big thing number one, the fallout from the Kathy Griffin story. You will remember, this was the, the big story yesterday, Kathy Griffin, who is a self-proclaimed D-list comedian, decides that she is going to go and, and do a photo shoot. This is not a spontaneous thing. This is not, hey, you're on The View and you're in your heated debate and you, you erp something up. This is a planned, staged photo shoot where she poses with what appears to be the decapitated head of President Trump covered in blood. The, the image that she displays is remarkably like the image of the ISIS terrorists and the ones that they put out to the world after they had beheaded some of their captives. So that, that's the, that is the look. It is the same pose. So th- this is, it's a staged thing, it is a thought-out thing, it is a planned thing. Kathy Griffin holding the head of Donald Trump, the, what appears to be the head of Donald Trump. Actually, one of the interesting stories is apparently uh, President Trump's 11-year-old son, Barron, saw this on, on the news or on the Internet and thought it was real at first. I mean, thought, thought that this was actually had happened. Um, well, okay. Maybe you can say the kid should have known better, but that's that was one of the many things that got the Trump family particularly outraged about this very very sick sort of sort of thing. So she poses with that when the 
Then she sends it out. She sends the picture to TMZ. She wants to get attention to this. When there is an initial blowback, her first response is to defend this. This is art. I am making a statement. When that does not work, she then issues this sort of, I'm sorry I crossed the line, but that is only after trying to defend it. Well, even people, even the Al Frankens of the world, uh, end up denouncing her, even though he's scheduled to still appear with her on stage in some performance coming up in about a month or so. But um, the apology does not seem to work. Uh, a couple, um, one of her sponsors immediately drops her. Uh, CNN, her, her big public gig is with Anderson Cooper at on New Year's Eve. And CNN, to its credit, in my opinion, yesterday afternoon, immediately says we, we've terminated our relationship with her. It's, it's, it's gone. You know, she, she's been fired. Well, as time has gone on, now it's been, you know, 24, 36 hours, and things are starting to cycle. And there's at least some sentiment brewing that maybe Kathy Griffin was treated unfairly. After all, there were people who criticized Barack Obama. They didn't suffer th- this problem. You had um, various entertainers like the um, like Stephen Colbert who you know have used obscene references with regard to President Trump that if you'd said them with regard to Obama, you would have been fired. But, you know, CBS says it's no big deal. It's freedom of speech. And so the question is, is Kathy Griffin being treated unfairly? Is the reaction to what she did too harsh? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this woman is getting everything she deserves. I think there are lines. I think she crossed. She didn't just step over a line. She jumped over a line and ran several steps. This was in more than bad taste. Do I think it is a crime? No, it's probably protected speech. But at the same time, she deserves to lose her gigs on TV. She deserves to have her shows not attended. This woman does not have the judgment that God gave, well, that God gave a fruit fly. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story number one, the fallout from the Kathy Griffin photo is she being treated unfairly by the reaction of sponsors, and in this case, CNN? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 842. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 845. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Brewers wrap up the road trip with Game 4 at City Field against the Mets. Bob Euchre and Jeff Levering begin our coverage of the matinee, 1135 this morning. I didn't realize that. I knew the game. It's 11.35. I only have three hours. Well, my gosh. Huh. (laughs) Go figure. I thought it was three and a half hours. Hmm. Sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Hondo's producing the show. You're supposed to tell me that. You get off early, Jeff. All right. Hondo's sitting there thinking, can't he read the schedule? All right. Oh, that might change things around a little bit. Um, so check it out. It's sponsored by Catholic Life. Uh, good game yesterday. Hopefully they will get the uh, sweep. They'll be able to get the split. Brewers in first place by a game and a half over the St. Louis Cardinals. How cool is that? All right, Kathy Griffin. There's some people whining. She's being treated unfairly. Ted Nugent said bad things about Barack Obama, and Donald Trump invited him to the White House. I'm sorry. I have no sympathy. There was a, there are lines, there are matters of decency. Kathy Griffin crossed that line. CNN was right to fire her. Sponsors are right to dump her. I'm sure that there will still be people who attend her Las Vegas shows. And see, I think this whole thing was done as an. First of all, I, I think that when it comes to the left nowadays, 
and they think there, there's nothing that you cannot say if it's about Donald Trump. Anything goes. Kathy Griffin found out maybe there are lines that you can't cross. Brad in Milwaukee. Brad, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Brad. Uh, Hi, Brad. Yes. Yes, sir. Hi. Go ahead. Uh, you know, it was a, quite a production to come up with that mask and with uh, everything else. I think there should be a few more names out there, whoever whoever uh, did the production mm-hmm. and the uh, people that made the mask and everything should also be ostracized as well. Yeah, you know, that's the one of the amazing parts of this story is, like I was saying earlier, it's not like this was just some sort of spontaneous thing that she erps out on, on a, a panel discussion show or something. This was a planned thing. It was staged. You had a photographer. You had presumably her agent is there. You have all these pictures. This was a posed right. thing. I mean, and, and there's nobody, nobody in that room who said, you know, maybe should we think about this before we have her posing in the, you know, in a, in a in a pose similar to what the terrorists use when they behead, you know, their victims. Nobody exactly. apparently thought that this was a problem. Yeah, it's it such poor taste. I mean, how could someone not say, gee, do you think maybe we're going too far? Well, right, and I, I guess because, and see, and that's the larger point of the story, because when it comes to the Trump derangement syndrome nowadays, you can, apparently there is not a, a too far. I mean, I was saying earlier, I remember Stephen Colbert, who's the, you know, the, the, the comedian, you know, he, oh, yeah. he goes on, he goes on TV and uses a, an arguably homophobic obscen- obscenity, obscene reference with regard to President Trump that, you know, you, you would have never, if somebody had said something similar about Barack Obama, they would have never been on television again. CBS doesn't even bother disciplining the guy. So that, that's how far the line has apparently moved because you've got Trump in the White House instead of somebody else. Right. No, thanks. No, and that's she. In my opinion, no sympathy at all. Let's see on our text line. The response to Kathy Griffin's behavior is not out of line, as you say. Just because someone has the right to do something, doesn't make it right. If a terrorist would have taken the same photo with a fake head of Donald Trump, wouldn't the American people be outraged over that? Yes, yes, yes. She does. And I, and by the way, again, I, I think. I think this is protected speech. I know that there are some people who think the Secret Service should be involved in investigating or prosecuting for, for a threat against the president. I, I don't think that would go anywhere. I, I think in this country you have a right to do it. But that there should be consequences. And she is experiencing some of those consequences now. And you know what? Good. Good. Maybe this will make the next out-of-control celebrity think twice before they act. All right, big story number two. The Revolutionary Black Panthers. Um, The Revolutionary Black Panthers in the news. They are, now you gotta gotta keep in mind, because there's there's the original Black Panthers of Milwaukee, there's the Revolutionary Black Panthers of Milwaukee, and I think there's like the, the Black Panthers organization in general. So you, you got to understand here. But the Revolutionary Black Panther Party, and these are a, a, a small group of, I would argue, hate mongers who uh, show up at various places in fatigues, um, oftentimes carrying weapons on the streets of Milwaukee, and their argument is, hey, we're engaging in these political protests, and we're here to keep the streets clean, all those type of things. Well, what happens is the members of uh, this revolutionary Black Panther Party claim that they are running an outdoor food pantry. This is right before uh, New Year's Day. 
Um, so they're, they're standing around on the streets. Many of them are armed. What happens is the cops get a call saying, um, hey, there's people carrying guns. So they show up to investigate it. And they find people carrying guns. They arrest a 20-year-old guy um, with an open warrant who they say was unsafely handling a firearm. So you got a bunch of these guys hanging around. They're carrying firearms. The cops get a call. They investigate. Turns out one of them has an open arrest warrant. He's carrying a gun, and they arrest him. Oh, what a surprise. What a surprise this is. Um, at that point in time, Several members of this group engaging in what I believe is the thuggish behavior that they continue to engage in decide to surround the police during the incident. So to the point where they have to be physically moved back. Police also said at the time that they tried to reach the family of a reportedly injured child and, and had not you know, heard back. So they arrest a guy who's carrying a gun. He's got an open warrant. The group kind of surrounds him and surrounds the police officers. They have to push him back. All right, so this is a group that has been, they claim they're making a political statement. I think you could say they're trying to terrorize the the neighborhood. Um, They've now filed a $400 million lawsuit claiming that their rights were violated when police confiscated weapons from the group's members. Um, one of the spokespeople says, the question first is that what number can we put on the level of intimidation and terrorism and assault that we experience to our character, to our bodies? The fact that this group would use the words terrorism and assault and intimidation in reference to the way they claim to be treated by the Milwaukee Police Department is the ultimate in irony, given what they try to do when they are on the streets of Milwaukee. Here's the bottom line of all this. We have huge racial problems in this community. We do. But groups like the Revolutionary Black Panthers, wandering around the streets, um, carrying firearms, they do not do anything to make the community better. And the fact that they think they should be entitled to $400 million is laughable. Now, I, I admit... I don't know what passes for common sense among politicians when it comes to lawsuits and things like this, and they're more than willing to throw around other people's money. But this is one where if anybody gives these people a dime, a dime, they should be run out of office on a rail. It's 854, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 856. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I love Smuggler's Blues. I almost kind of want to let that run. Um, WTMJ lets you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price. This week, our featured supper club is the Main Mill in Menominee Falls. How's that for alliteration? Featuring homemade barbecue, tasty steaks, and a variety of signature dishes. You can enjoy them all in the Main Mill's elevated deck dining experience. There's that alliteration again. Tomorrow at 12 o'clock, right after my show, get a $50 certificate for only $25. It's like stealing, but it's legal. These go quick we only have 100 available. Get yours tomorrow starting at noon by heading to WTMJSupperClub.com. Big thing number three is coming up. Ah, the reports are that the federal government might be wiretapping journalists. Oh, the horror. I will explain that to you. Also coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. All right. We, nobody likes having your home assessed. 
But there's a real interesting issue that is before the courts. We will discuss that. And it appears that the president is ready to pull out of the climate change accord. All that's coming up, so stick around. An update to a story that we have talked about on two occasions in the past, including yesterday. Um, As part of the governor's original budget proposal, he proposed getting rid of this DNR magazine that's been around for decades. It's published six times a year. There's about 82,000 people that subscribe to it. And the governor's argument was, hey, it really, you know, do we want to be in the business of magazine publishing? And this duplicates other stuff that's out there. There was a degree of outrage about it. A lot of people ended up getting the magazine and liking it. And I actually, as I said yesterday, I, the more I thought about this, I think I came to reconsider my position on it. Because as, as a general rule, this, this magazine, it pays for itself. It, it doesn't really cost the taxpayers anything. There's some time that's spent by one or two DNR employees and kind of putting it together. But that appears to be minimal. And there would be an estimated cost of about three-quarters of a million dollars in giving refunds and, and you know giving the money back. So if people want it and it's not costing the taxpayers money, my argument was, you know, why not keep it? The Joint Finance Committee, on a party-line vote, decided that they, they were going to keep the magazine, but what they were going to do is they were going to scale it back. So instead of six times a year, it's going to come out quarterly, four times a year, but it will still continue to exist. And candidly, I think that's a reasonable compromise. Big thing number three is coming up. We might be wiretapping journalists. Oh, the horror. Stick around. It's 859. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. It's 908. So, Jane. Did you know that there is, did you see the story? Did you know that there is, in fact, sex in Waukesha County? Excuse me? Yeah. There, there, now, this is, this, this is actually, the, the, the Met story is going to be my favorite today. By the way, if you want to see the video of, uh, we're going to be talking about this a little bit later on, but the cell phone video that has gone viral, I hate that because it's such a cliche, but it's gone viral of the Met mascot making the obscene gesture. Technically, he's not displaying his middle finger because he's only got four digits, but he, <laughs> well, technically, it's not his you middle finger. You would think that would get him off, <laughs> right, you know? Because he's only, he's only got four <laughs> digits. But but there's no question about what, what he is trying to accomplish. If you want to see the video of that, and a lot of you do, um, just, just text the word MET, M-E-T, to 414-799-1620, and we'll send you that. But no, there there is sex in, in Sussex. Now, I was at, okay, the woman I'm dating, Fran, her oldest daughter lives in Sussex. Her, her oldest daughter Jenny lives in Sussex. Okay. I was at, I was actually at a block party there on um, over Memorial Day weekend on, on that Sunday. All right, so here here's the story. Sussex is spelled S U S S E X. There, <laughs> there's a water tower. They got a big water tower located. You know, all, I know exactly where it is. Right. Okay, and it says on it because it it's Sussex. It says Sussex on it. Honest to gosh, we, we've got this up on the website. It's hysterical. So they're repainting the water tower. And so what they have to do is they have to, like, sandblast it and prime it and things like that. So, Section so, at a time. I said, well, yes, it's hysterical. Apparently, the way the way they say it is that um, they they ran into a venting issue, and the workers yesterday had to stop the job in order to let the paint dry. So <laughs> now the... <laughs> the tower, <laughs> look at it, just says sex, <laughs> you know, and the, the story on Channel 4, it's hysterical. They've got, um, like, Jessica Bruss was driving her eight-year-old son to his first baseball game Wednesday afternoon when she heard him say, Mom, why does that say sex? <laughs> 
I immediately thought, not today. We're not having this conversation today. Right now. She says, I almost drove off the road when I saw it. Um, um, workers are expected to cover up the unfortunate message on Thursday, but still have to work on the other side of the tower that still reads Sussex, and no, the contractor couldn't guarantee that the same thing won't happen again. <laughs> it, you know, it, it, Hondo says, you know, maybe they don't have sex. Well, it is, it is just odd to me. That, I mean, I understand that you have to knock off at some point in time, but if, if they left SSEX or just took off that extra S, you know, it, it, it's, the, the decision to knock it off right where it says sex, you have to laugh. <laughs> it just, they probably had a good laugh. Yeah, I think they. Yes, I. I, I what, why, <laughs> what should we do? What should we do? Well, let's, well, let's do let's well exactly. Yeah, yeah. Can we? Yeah, we, we can. We can take off that one other S, but then it would just say X. And no, we'll, we'll leave it there. Yes, you know, you know, you know that the workers had a little bit of discretion and thought that was kind of cute. But um, that's actually up on the Channel Four um, website. Unfinished Sussex Water Tower paint job spells. Spell sex. So there is, in fact, sex in Waukesha County. All right. Big story number three. There have been, in the Trump administration, there's always, there's always leaks of information. But there have, for whatever reason, been constant leaks of information. Um, people who have access. And I'm not talking about information that – I'm not talking about something, hey, we, we have a policy discussion and, you know, this is what somebody said. I'm talking about leaks of classified information. And there have been a number of leaks of classified information from people with access to it inside the government to reporters. Um, that is a crime. Now, before you, you say it, 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 yes, it is apparent, I think it's true, that in conversations, for example, with Russian diplomats, you know, Donald Trump decided to share information about a terrorist investigation that was classified. I think Trump was wrong to do that, but, but he is the president. He gets to do that stuff. Um, it's not against the law for him to do it. If you or I work for the government and we have access to classified government information, it is not legal for us to share the information to decide, hey, I think that I think that somebody at the New York Times needs this information, or I think somebody at the Washington Post should see it. It is against the law to share. Again, we're talking about classified information. We're not talking about people who are, again, want to, for whatever reasons, leak embarrassing stuff about, you know, what Trump might have said to his wife or something like that. We're talking about information that is classified and is not supposed to be disclosed to the public for whatever reasons. So the, the government, and I, I know President Trump, as have other presidents, have been obsessed with these kind of leaks. And I think Trump thinks it's, it's worse. The New York Post has a story. and here, Here's what they say. Um, one of the reporters, John Crudell, is saying that he's got a source in Washington that says that the Justice Department, Jeff Sessions, has gotten a warrant from a U.S. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. This is the this is the court that you know issues wiretaps. You know, we're, we're wiretapping Russians and all those type of things. You know, so this is that court, sort of the super secret court that you go to. The reports are that in an effort to identify. The people in the government who are leaking information to reporters, um, the government has gone to this FISA court and gotten permission to conduct electronic surveillance of a group of journalists who've been the recipient of the leaked information. 
the journalists are, are not the top, the target of the investigation. So apparently nobody is looking to prosecute, you know, somebody from the Washington Post who is contacted and provided with, you know, information contained in classified documents. They're, they're, that's not what they're going after. But they're trying to identify, perhaps for the purpose of prosecuting, somebody inside the government who is contacting these journalists. And in order to do that, they're saying, hey, okay, Jeff Wagner is getting all these scoops. Somebody is leaking all sorts of confidential information to him, and he's writing stories about it. Here, we're going to wiretap Wagner to see who it is that's contacting him, not because we want to prosecute him, but we want to see who it is that is reaching out to him. And you have a number of journalists who are responding that they're absolutely appalled that they would be subject of an investigation like this. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this, in your opinion, an outrageous violation of the First Amendment, the right to freedom of press, or in this case, assuming again that there are these wiretaps, but they're done not for the purpose of monitoring what the press is doing, but rather monitoring whether or not people are trying to contact the press and commit illegal acts, that illegal act being disseminating classified information. If the government is in fact doing this, are they going, is it going too far? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and a number of you might disagree with me on this, but I, I think the various leaks of classified information, I think, put this country at risk. And given that this is going on, I think the government is entitled to try to do everything it can within legal boundaries to identify who the leakers are. And if that means, all right, we're going to conduct electronic surveillance of the people who have been the recipients of the leaks, I don't care whether they're in the press or whether they're the corner bar. I don't have an issue with this. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is big thing number three. Journalists might be indirectly being investigated to determine who their sources are. Is this outrageous? We discuss when we come back. It's 917. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 920. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Yeah, there are river cruises and there are river cruises. And this one, um, this is special. It's just really special. I sat down with the Fox World Travel folks and they said, oh, tell us about the trips and why didn't you do them anymore? And what were some of your concerns? And uh, this one, I tell you, this one sold me. Um, so I'll be giving you more details as time goes on, but hope you can join me. All right, right now, it's big story number three. There are reports that the, the government is getting wiretaps. They're putting the, the electronic surveillance on journalists, not not because they want to prosecute the journalists, but they want to find out who inside the government is taking classified information and giving it to the journalists. Is this an outrage? Mark and Kalkana. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I think probably you're going to get surveilled. <laughs> well, that, that you know, that's okay. <laughs> that, that, that's okay. I mean, if, if, I was, if somebody was taking you know, information that they did not have the right to, to disseminate and violating the law by giving it to me, I'm all right. I, I think you got to investigate this, Mark. I mean, I think we got to track down who's doing it. I'm 100% behind that. They should prosecute these people to the full extent of the law because they're subverting uh, the operations of our government. And uh, yeah, there's got to be criminal aspect to it and go after them. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I mean, even the Department of Justice, somebody leaked this story. 
<laughs> well, right, y- y- exactly. Somebody, right? Somebody went to, right? Somebody went to the reporter and told him about that. No, thanks. For, see, and that's that. That's the thing. We are not talking about prosecuting the, the quote unquote journalists. Now, I I will tell you, I don't understand what journalism is about anymore. I mean, you know, you have the story of the local story where you know you have somebody who hacks into. For example, the information, proprietary information belonging to the Bradley Foundation, leaks it then to the Journal Sentinel, and the Journal Sentinel runs story after story making money on this. Now, they're not committing a crime, but, I mean, I do wonder about the ethics of this. But this, 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 what we're talking about is, again, in this particular case, the, the leaked information is a crime against the government. And there are people, presumably, that are still working inside the government that are doing this. And, I mean, look, I don't care what you think about Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Bill Clinton or George Bush or, you know, who the department secretaries are. I don't think rank-and-file employees who have access to classified information should be the ones just uniformly deciding what information becomes public or not. There are channels that are to be gone through. And let's also be honest here. This isn't Watergate. In most of these cases, this leaked information isn't evidence of a, isn't a crime. Um, it's just evidence of policy. It's things that are being leaked in an effort to embarrass the administration. And, and that's different. It's not like there's a big public interest that's being served here. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. The only thing I question is, and maybe they had to, but why would you announce it? To me, it would be nice if they hadn't told anybody, because then the, the leakers may still be leaking, as opposed to now yeah. they know I better fool it for a while. Well, well right. It's and, and right. an agreement. Yeah, well, and, and a non-disclosure agreement, it's a violation of the law. Yeah, well, exactly, Steve. And and just th- thanks for calling. Just just for the record, th- th- they didn't announce it. That this information was leaked. I mean, there's a story. I mean, it, again, it, it's a columnist in the New York Post who's writing that he's got Washington sources who are telling him that this is that this is happening. Now, what they think is going on is that they think that there's people inside the White House who are holdovers from the Obama administration who, you know, the the, the rank-and-file kind of bureaucrats who, who don't like this and who are the ones that are feeding this information. Um, they, they believe that there's like three people that were involved in this. But, I mean, I, I suspect what they're probably doing. Uh, if, look, if I was an investigator, if I was back in the U.S. Attorney's Office and I was tasked to try to find, okay, who are the, these leakers, clearly that's one of the things you would look at. I'd also be looking at phone records. Here, let me go back. I, I want to subpoena the cell phone records of X people, and I want to look and see you know, who it is that they're calling. Because if you've got somebody that's calling the cell phone of a New York Times reporter, for example, at 730 at night on a Friday night, all right, that at least like draws your conclusions that maybe something is going on here. But yes, I, the, the fact that this information itself was leaked is troubling. But the idea that they're trying to conduct these investigations to identify who the leakers are, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, and again, if you're the so if you're the reporter who's on the other end of that, well, I can understand how you might not like to get caught up in this. But you know that's that's kind of the nature of the business. We're not talking about prosecuting the reporters. We're talking about trying to identify the leakers. And I don't have a problem with that at all. Coming up in just a couple minutes, should you be able to say no? 
without any consequences. We'll talk about it. It's 926. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 928, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, who's made more than 140 appearances, visited visited 31 schools, and logged 33,000 miles across Wisconsin promoting literacy. Well, it's Miss Wisconsin, and she joins John McCure in the studio on Wisconsin's Afternoon News at 350. That McCure, I mean, it just, whether it's Alice in Dairyland or Miss Wisconsin or whatever, I tell you, that's, that's, that's the show booking. You know, he's always looking for that. And so, um, check that out this afternoon. Hey, speaking of, uh, the media in general, New York Times, um, announcing it's going to offer employee buyouts. It's getting rid of a lot of editors. And interestingly, it's going to eliminate the public editor function. They have a, they, for years and years, they've had a public editor. And what the public editor did was try to keep a rein on the reporters. And if people would complain about biased coverage or something like that, they could go to the public editor. And the public editor, and they've had four of them over the years, would actually, and sometimes, Right, semi. Sometimes they'd be defending. They they were people from the outside who were brought in to do this, and sometimes they defend the the actions, and other times they were quite critical of you know what they saw as lapses in journalistic ethics or fair reporting or things like that. It was always an interesting feature. New York Times getting rid of that. <laughs> okay, well we 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 don't we don't need somebody you know telling us and second guessing our decisions anymore. So public editor gone as of. I think this Friday or something like that. And they, I mean, I, I understand part of it is budget and part of it is probably quite honestly, I think some of the reporters didn't like being second guessed. Um, that's what's happening. All right. Coming up in just a couple minutes. Should there be consequences to saying no? Later on today, we're going to be discussing the whole issue with the climate change accord. And we're going to have a fun conversation about this incident in New York involving the mascot. If you want to see the video, you can text the word MET, M-E-T, to 414-799-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 935, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. WTMJ lets you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs. At half price. This week, our featured supper club is the Main Mill in Menominee Falls, featuring homemade barbecue, tasty steaks, and a variety of signature dishes. You can enjoy them all on the Main Mill's elevated deck dining experience tomorrow at noon, right as my program ends. Get a $50 certificate for only $25. These go quickly. We only have 100 available. Get yours tomorrow starting at noon by heading to the WT- to WTMJSupperClub.com. Yeah, um, just in the last half hour, we announced I'm, I'm going to be doing another listener trip, and I hope you, you can join me. Um, it's been a long time since I, I've done any. And one of, see, one of my concerns when I sat down with the folks at Fox World Travel is a lot of the, a lot of tours, and this is not a criticism, it's just, for example, if you go to Italy, people that, the, the way they're set up a lot of times is you want to see everything in Italy. So you want to go to Rome, you want to go to Florence, you want to go to Venice. And what that means is you're never in any place that long, but you're always on a bus. You know, it's okay up at five in the morning. Bags outside the room, I, you know, and that's and that's great. But it, it's it was kind of wearing. It wasn't my idea of vacation. And so, I, what what the folks at Fox World Travel said is, hey, let, let's 
first of all, let, let's find an area that you want to go to that, I mean, I think it's just a beautiful part of the world, that, that whole, um, you know, Austria and the, you know, Germany and all that, that those areas. Um, let, let's, let's find an area that you want to go to that you've never been to. Let's go at a wonderful time of year, and let's go in a relaxing fashion. And that's this whole idea behind this river cruise. And um, I, I think, again, it's absolutely outstanding. We've got an event that's coming up. I'll tell you more about it, but it's June 13th at the Sheridan Brookfield, and I hope you can join us. There are There is limited space here, but I am extremely excited about this. This is the first cruise that I have ever done, river or otherwise, and it's the first listener trip I've done in a long time, so I hope you can join me. All right, there is an interesting story on the front page of the journal sentinel today credit where credit is due it, it talks about uh, a, a, what i think is a very very interesting concept all right in wisconsin we we depend a lot on the property tax that's one of our big sources of raising revenue and there is always a challenge to trying to make sure that everybody pays on the one hand pays their fair share of property tax and the flip side is that people aren't getting screwed over by paying too much. So the way the law works in Wisconsin is that when an assessor from your community comes out to do an assessment to try to you know figure out what the value of the property is, the way the law works is you do not have to give the assessor access to your property. You don't have to let them in. But, but... If you refuse to allow the assessor in, um, the assessor is then going to make an assessment anyways. But they're not going to base it on complete information, theoretically, because let's say you've, I mean, let's say you put in a new kitchen, you put in a new bedroom, whatever. Um, for whatever reason, you don't want to let the assessor in your house. Um, you have the right to do that. But the assessor has to make an assessment anyways. And so they're essentially going to make a guess at it because they can't see what you've done. They can't see your property. The way the law works is that if you refuse to allow the assessor in, you're stuck. You no longer then have a right to appeal the assessment. So that's the consequence. You don't have to let them in. But then, you know, if you don't let them do their job and they have to make estimates and you don't like what happens after the fact, you're, you're out of luck. That, that's the way the law works. <clears throat> and what they are finding is that a lot of times if you make the assessors if you make the assessors work in the dark, so to speak, without access to your property, you know chances are the assessment might end up being higher than it really should be because you've made the assessor work in the dark. Um, there is there's a court case that's been argued in front of the state Supreme Court, you know challenging th- this law. Um, I don't know how that is going to be decided. But there's a couple legislators who want to change the law. Essentially, what they want to say is that you shouldn't have you shouldn't have consequences for not allowing the assessor in. And if you decide that you're not going to allow the assessor in to look at your property and you don't like your assessment, you should still have the right to appeal. Right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, I guess I, I understand the argument. There's a Republican legislator who's, you know, pushing this. And, you know, they're, they're claiming that, well, you know, that this is, you know, you should have a constitutional right to appeal your tax assessment. And, you know, it violates your right to due process. And so we should allow people to do it. All right. Maybe you're going to disagree with me. Our numbers are 414-799-1620. It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
I don't have a problem with the law the way it stands now. If I think in the interest of fairness, I think you have you should have an op- an obligation to cooperate with the assessors. Now, I'm not saying assessors are always right. I'm not saying that they make the best judgments around. But if you decide that you're not going to allow the assessor to come into your property, yeah, I think there should be consequences. And I think it's more than reasonable to say, look, you don't let the assessor in. You don't let the person do your job, their job. Then you should be stuck with whatever essentially guesstimate they have to make. And if you want if you want to be able to challenge the assessor, you should at least allow him or her to do their job. If you don't have a provision like this, I mean, it's going to be a complete and total mess because everybody will refuse to allow assessors in. The assessors will not be able to make, you know, valid assessments. And then, you know, you're going to have constant appeals one after another. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, candidly, all right, I, I, I agree. I don't think that you should be forced to allow an assessor into your par- into your property. But if you make that decision that you're not going to let him or her in, I, I think you should lose your right to appeal. Because otherwise, I think it's going to be an absolute mess. 414-799-1620. Let's start with uh, Dave in West Dallas. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, we all have uh, consequences that we have to suffer when we don't follow the rule. And the rule is you have to have an assessor make a, a reasonable assessment of your property and if you give up that right you shouldn't have to make him have to come back again and the uh, town board or whoever he's working for have to go and do that work all over again because they're going to charge again yeah right it's going to it's going to cost people it's going to tie up the town boards because everybody is going to end up nobody will let the assessors in everybody is going to end up appealing it's not going to be fair to anybody because you're not going to have uniform standards because you won't be able to tell you know what what's really going on in each individual house i mean i guess i just I don't think it's that unreasonable to say, all right, look, I understand nobody likes property taxes. I get that, Dave. But, I mean, I just don't think that there's any reason, <laughs> you know, it, it's got to be fair. And and if you think an assessor's done a lousy job, I, then you appeal it. But you at least have to let them do their job in the first place, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And everybody knows there's consequences when you don't follow through on something. It's just like drunk driving. They stop you and you say, no, I'm not going to do it. You're still going to be charged. But the fact remains is that you're the one that made that decision. Yep. Thanks for call. Appreciate it. Now again, they're they're talking about you know changing the law to say that okay you you can appeal it. But I mean just just think of what that's going to do to communities. All right, you no longer allow assessors to come in. They they don't even get a chance to do their work. And then I mean then everybody's going to say, well I don't like this. I'm I'm going to appeal this. And then you're going to go back. You're going to be litigating all these different types of things. Yeah, assessors can get stuff wrong. I mean I don't I'm not defending that. But you got to let them do their job. Four one four seven nine nine one six. 620. Dan in Milton. Dan, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a finance director for a smaller community, and we're actually in the process of doing a revaluation right now. Okay. And I was actually up at the Capitol when they had the three-and-a-half-hour public hearing on this very issue. Right. And um, I, the argument that they're trying to make, they're trying to rewrite state law based on, right. uh, on, a, bad, on a bad assessor who... Right. There needs to be a process to deal with bad assessors. And right now, the Department of Revenue is in charge of licensing with them. Right. And our 
city assessor has been assessing longer than I've been alive since right. 1980. And um, he said, as far as he knows, no one's ever actually had their license revoked. Right. And this was a situation um, that this was just a bad assessment. Yeah. Well, and, and, right, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I understand that there might be bad assessment. Now, I have to tell you, in the community I've lived, I've owned my house for going on 30 years. I actually think that the folks that have done it have been actually pretty fair. I mean, I, I, I really don't have an issue. I think they've been fair. But, I mean, I understand, and I'm willing to concede, that you you might have a bad assessor or you might have somebody that um, j- just makes a bad judgment. And I don't have any problem with people appealing that, but I think you at least have to let the assessor in in the first place to do it. Because that Board of Review, the first thing that uh, we have a community board for a Board of Review, and the first thing they'll look at the assessor and, you know, Right. Someone can present all the evidence they want, and there's no way to verify that they took a yeah. picture of not their house. They could say, well, we don't have a finished basement. Yeah. We didn't pull a permit. See, here's a picture. It might not even be their basement because people lie, surprisingly. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And this this is just a way to do it. And, again, if, if you decide that you you don't want to cooperate, all right, fine, go with God, but then – then you're stuck. I mean, that's the consequence of making that decision not to cooperate. Um, okay. And, that, you know, that, and our assessor even goes one step further and adds, he calls it the humanistic approach to things, where he says he gives people a last chance at open book. If, sure. if they haven't let him in, he'll say, you know, I'm happy to talk to you, but it would be best if I come in and see your property. I'm giving you one last chance because if you want to appeal something, yeah. You have to let me in. And I think there just needs to be a better – the Department of Revenue is actually the one that has failed um, yeah. failed this um, family in this instance. Yeah. Which, um, right, right. Writing state law for something that has generally worked in probably 99.9% of all situations. Yeah, absolutely. No, th- th- no, right. I'm with you, Dan. court case. Yeah. No, thanks for calling. No, see, I, again, I'm, I, I'm with you. To me, this is what I describe – thanks for the call – as a as – a, as a solution looking for a problem. Are there bad assessors? Yes. Are there inaccurate assessments? I, I'm sure, I, again, I, I'm sure there are. That has not been my experience, but I, I'm sure there are. And I don't have any problem with people, you know, being able to litigate it. Hey, you know, you say my house is worth this much. You're, you're nuts. I mean, the house across the street or next door sold. It's the same house, and it's sold for a lot less, and these are the same. I'm, I, sh- I know that happens, and I don't have any problem with the appeals. But the starting point is, and to me it's a question of fundamental fairness for for all of us because I, I want I want my property assessed fairly. And the only way you can assess it fairly, I think, is if somebody needs to come inside and look to see exactly what improvements you've made, what the condition of the property is, all those types of things. That needs to be the starting point. Linda in Milwaukee. Linda, you're on 620 WTMJ. Linda. Oh, hi. Hi, Linda. Um, you know, I, I agree with you totally. I don't always do that, Jeff. But, um, <laughs> you just had to throw that in, didn't you, Linda? Okay, you got the dig in. Good morning. Yeah, but I listen. Okay. So, so I had the assessor show up at my house one day. I was outside, and he said, I want to see your house. And I said, well, this really was not convenient. And he said, but I don't have to. I can just let it go. And I said, no. But here the guy worked with me. He made it perfectly. He gave me a number to call. Yeah. He made I was able to make an appointment. He came back at a convenient time. Yeah. Now, that made sense. Sometimes you say, well, this just isn't good. You're not coming in right now. But that's 
totally different. Oh, yeah. I think if you refuse, I absolutely agree. You should give something up. It, it's like, where is fairness? That, that's the word you use. Fairness should be our key. You shouldn't have to say, well, oh, I don't like it. Now come back. Well, right, or I'm, or, or I'm not going to let you come back, but I'm still going to challenge it. So we're going to all be kind of guessing in the dark on these things. Yeah. No, no, no that, that's it. No, ridiculous. right. I, think, I mean, that's it. Yeah. No, thanks to call and thanks for listening, even though we don't always agree. Yeah, that's. I guess that that's that is the point. Um, I understand people don't like paying taxes, and I understand people don't like paying property taxes in particular. I get it. I understand there's some hostility hostility sometimes towards the assessors, but. My feeling is you, you let them do the job. You have to cooperate. You have to set up a reasonable time. Like I said, I don't think somebody should just bang on your door at 9 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I'm coming in now. That has not been my experience. Normally, the experience I've had when I've had improvements are done or whatever, and they have to go in, not the assessors, but like the inspectors, I think it's kind of the same thing. You know, They've had to go in, or and they've looked at stuff, or you've bought the house, and they've made improvements or whatever. I mean, I've had people that they've always made appointments. Hey, you know, uh, call us. Call this number. Set up a time somebody will come out and look at it. I mean, that's that's not an unfair thing. I think this law would be bad. It's 949, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 9.52, Jeff Wagner, 6.20 WTMJ. We've reached June, and the Milwaukee Brewers are still a first-place team, but do they resemble the team winning 9 of 11 or losing 7 of 9? Greg Matzik thinks it's right in the middle. He opens a discussion tonight on Sports Central. Be sure to tune in at 6.07. Now, I have a confession to make. And, and so it's, I, I'm still adapting after 17 years of doing the, the noon to three shift. I'm, I'm still, I think I've actually adapted. I, I love doing 830 till, till noon. I absolutely love the shift. But it, it's taken me a little, as, as somebody who is a night owl, and, and I am, I just, I've never gone to bed before like 11 or 1130 at night, sometimes later. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sleeping as much as I used to. My little dog, Sasha, gets me up in the middle of the night sometimes, not as much anymore. And and so I, I, I kind of make up. Sometimes in the afternoon I'll, I'll take I, – I, I would describe it as a nap, but what happens is I kind of pass out. It's just like I'm just, all of a sudden I wake up and it's an hour later. But I, I'm trying to balance that, that stuff out. But, I mean, you, you do kind of adapt to it. But I, I have a confession to make. The, what happens is – I try to have most of the show at least kind of mapped out before I go to bed at night. And then when I wake up in the morning, like at 5 or 5.15, I have my routine. But I ultimately end up sitting down sometime after 6 in the morning and sending what I call a show rundown to all the people who have to see it that describes what I'm going to what I'm going to be talking about. And I, I'm so a lot of times I'm three-quarters awake sitting there at my desk at, at home with a cup of coffee as I'm typing out what the show rundown is. I go back, then like an hour later when I come to the studio or whatever, and I look at the show rundown like I'm looking at the one today, and, well, okay, there, there's a couple spelling mistakes that I make because my, my proofreading skills, um, okay, one, I, I'm looking at one now, Obama's birth control mandate is about to be reversed. That's in the show prep thing. Well, I don't spell mandate right, <laughs> you know, and I, and I didn't catch it. But everybody, it's M-A-S-N-D-A-T-E. Everybody knows what that is. And, and it's just like, okay, maybe if it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I was wide awake maybe. But I'm just trying to get the thing out. All right. So it's not a big deal. President Trump, President Trump, of course, uses Twitter a lot. He's on the Twitter. And, you know, this is kind of, he's, he's sending out tweets at all hours of the day or night. Well, the latest story is, of course, a couple days ago, again, in the middle of the night, um, President Trump takes to Twitter, and he's complaining about all 
the, quote, negative press. And what he means is coverage. Okay, he, he mean, he's complaining about all the negative press coverage. But what he tweets is all the negative press press coverage, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. He, he meant to say coverage, and he either did it too fast or whatever, and, and it writes C-O-V-F-E-F-E. The, the jackals in the mainstream media have a, a field day on this to the point that yesterday at a news conference, uh, Sean Spicer, th- 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 okay, We've got all these issues that are going on, including some you know, really heavy-duty issues. We're talking about health care and tax reform, and people get obsessed over this one word. He meant to say coverage, and he types C-O-V-F-E-F-E. There is a front-page story in USA Today. Is chronic sleep deprivation impairing President Trump's brain and performance using... All right, the fact that he meant to type coverage, but he typed C-O-V-F-E-F-E instead. Oh, it must be the fact that he's not getting enough sleep. Okay, he just did it quickly, didn't catch it, and sent it out. Can I see a show of hands for everybody who uh, types things on emails or, again, is on the Twitter or whatever? Um, Can I see a show of hands? Is there anybody out there who has never, like, put in a typo or something, you know, like that? Now, the Trump administration, maybe they compound this because instead of just saying it was a typo, get over yourselves, just they say, well, he knows what he means, and that makes it the second-day story. But everybody knew he meant to say coverage. This, if you want to talk about, again, the obsession with fake news that you have in the mainstream media, the guy sends out a text. It's got a typo in it. Now, he's the president of the United States. You can argue that maybe he shouldn't be on the Twitter in the first place. I understand that. But there's a typo, and this is, oh, we're talking about psychologists. This means that maybe his brain is being damaged because he's not getting enough sleep. It's a typo. Everybody does it, for goodness sakes. It is 9.57, coming up in just a couple minutes. Let's talk about one of the big issues that is out there. What do we do with this climate change accord? Stick around. It's 10.08. This is Jeff Wacker. So glad to have you with us. Um, in the last hour, we rolled out. Um, it, it's the first listener trip that I've done in, gosh, probably a decade or so. And this is my first cruise ever. Um, we've got the details out and about. Um, we're gonna, it's, I call it kind of like a Sound of Music cruise. Now, that might not be fair, but it's um, it, the Danube River Cruise with Uniworld and Fox World Travel. We're going to be doing this in October of 2018, but they think it's going to sell out pretty quickly. Um, we go to boot from we go to Budapest, we go to Vienna, we go to Salzburg. Um, each stop lets you stroll through historic towns, and this is um, th- this is it is a first class cruise. There is no question about it. So um, we're just rolling out this today. Fox World Travel has a Danube chanting Danube show coming up on Tuesday evening, June thirteenth, at the Sheraton in Brookfield. The show starts at six thirty. I'm going to be there. They're going to have all the details. Um, I'm really excited about this. Like I say, I haven't, I've never done a cruise, and I haven't done a trip with listeners for a long time. And this is uh, this is the one that sold me. Um, Fox World Travel seating limited eight six six. Four six three six nine four six to make your arrangements. We'll tell you more about it, but this is a lot of fun, and hope you come with me in 2018. That will be a lot of fun. All right, uh, this afternoon at three o'clock, President Trump is going to announce whether or not he is going to pull the United States out of the the Paris Climate Accord. Now, this was a, an agreement which. Barack Obama entered into. It's never been confirmed by the Senate. 
So it's always had sort of shaky, uh, a shaky status. Uh, the word is that President Trump is going to pull out of the climate accord. The other way he could kill the climate accord would be to send it over to the U.S. Senate, where it needs two-thirds votes for ratification, and there's no way in God's green earth it would get two-thirds of votes. So one way or the other, you know, President Trump could pull the U.S. out of this. Uh, heads are exploding all over the country and all over the world. Oh, this is terrible. Trump is giving in to the climate change deniers. Essentially, what this accord would do would be to try to limit greenhouse gases. And in many respects, it's a war on coal because it, it's, it would make it very, very difficult for the U.S. to continue to use coal you know, as a source of energy because even with clean coal because of, of the emissions. Now, the reality is as we, we get more and more natural gas and things like that, just the econ- the econo- the economics of it is that you know we're, we're less and less dependent on coal but coal is still relatively cheap energy and it serves as an alternative should something happen with natural gas the other reality is that this this accord it, it sets goals but it's unenforceable there, there's no there is no requirement that any country live up to the standards there's just none there's none at all so there's no penalties for this it's just kind of like a, a a goal and you can have you know countries that are part of it but if they don't meet their goals by 2025 or whatever there's no consequences at all to this um donald trump during the campaign was talking to you know his voices first of all i think we have to look out for america and I, I'm not against trying to protect the environment, but we need to look out for America, and we need to look out for American jobs, and we need to be as flexible as possible when it comes to being able to compete. And this accord limits our ability to do that. My guess is he's going to pull us out at, uh, at the news conference at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock our time. My guess is he's going to pull us out. But, again, there's story after story after story talking about how this would be awful. We would be one of only a handful of countries um, who who have not agreed to this, uh, including, like, North Korea and Syria, I think. Do you want to be lumped in with Syria and North Korea? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I think it is important to be a good steward of the environment. I think it is important to look at what we in this country are doing with regard to pollution controls and things like that. That being said, I think this hysteria over whether or not we sign into the accord is more than a little bit overblown. And the truth of the matter is, whether or not we are a signatory to this agreement or not, you know, we can still do whatever we think it is important to, to do in order to, again, try to protect the environment from greenhouse gases if we believe that's a concern or whatever. But being a party to an agreement that has no enforcement mechanism at all, and my prediction is there's lots of countries that sign this that aren't going to change their behavior one iota, I don't see this as a big deal at all of to us pulling out. To the extent there is a big deal, maybe it's symbolic, but at the same time, 
All right, the symbolism really matter. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, I'm, I'm not a climate change denier necessarily. I mean, I don't think there's no question in my mind that, you know, as we have more people on the planet and more and more countries are getting, you know, becoming industrialized, I, I, I have no doubt that there are, you know, there's more greenhouse gases and things like that. Where, where I have the issue is I, I'm not convinced at all necessarily as to what this means, you know, and what's the ultimate solution. And does this mean that, gee, we all have to um, have energy bills of a, of a $1,500 a month and keep our, our homes at 52 degrees and give up automobiles? Um, if, if we get to that point, well, I'm not sure that it's worth that. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Michael in Waukesha. You're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I remember years ago we didn't sign the Kyoto Accord yes. either, and there was much gnashing of teeth at that time. And since then, uh, the United States has gotten much cleaner and yep. reduced its CO2 dumping into the atmosphere compared to everybody else. Nobody else did anything, yep. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and, yet, and yet here we are. We're the ones that should be. Oh, the other thing that bothers me about about this accord is uh, the people that are on this commission have pretty much admitted that what they want to do is change the uh, worldwide well, well, right. I mean, well, application uh... of capitalism. They want to reduce capitalism, and they want us to pay... Right, right. For this, well, let's Developing stick. Countries. I mean, Michael. I mean, stick. I'm, stick, 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 stick with the, the the first. The Kyoto agreements is absolutely correct. J- just because we are not a signatory to this agreement, that my guess is two thirds of the countries are not going to change their behavior at all. Just because we're not a signatory doesn't mean that that we can't still, you know, work towards like the clean energy requirements and things like that. But I, I guess. I think you need to have the flexibility. And the, the truth of the matter is, again, with, with coal, part of the thing is the economics are not in coal's favor right now because coal is plentiful. It's cheap, but it's not as cheap as, like, natural gas. So the, the economy and the economics of this are kind of taking over for all of this. Cause in Milwaukee, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I... I'd like to interject in here. Whatever happened to the alternative energy programs that we were discussing back in the 70s when gasoline and oil got out of sight and we were looking for alternatives, where is that discussion anymore? We buried gas, natural gas. We buried nuclear power. We're closing down nuclear plants. Why is that when the rest of the world has all these other options? Why are they relegating us to not being able to use coal? Yeah, well, well, exactly. Or... Or, I mean, when's the last time they op- opened a nuclear plant, you know, in, in this country? What, decades, right? I mean, it's just... I can't remember. Yeah. They're closing them down more than I can remember opening them. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, this is, you know, I guess the, the the question is, I mean, do we really want to go back to a to a time where, you know, we should feel guilty about wanting to have your houses warm to 70 degrees or, you know, drive your... And let's talk about pipelines. You can't, I mean, try to build a pipeline nowadays and people go absolutely, you know, crazy about the thing. It's, you know, we're, we, we need to figure out ways to get energy. We need to be responsible stewards. I get that, but why tie our hands? Why, why would we unilaterally tie our hands? It makes no sense to me. Absolutely, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to reopen those dialogues with other nations that have used energy in other fashions yeah. successfully. 
why are we relegated to what we've always done in the past? Let's get this back on board. It's, it, my gosh, it's another century. Yep. Help us. Yep, a- absolutely. And I guess, I mean, look, does anybody seriously think, does anybody think, seriously think that China, you know, that, that China is going to follow these agreements? Does anybody seriously think that any of the other countries that are starting to, you know, go through these developing countries, do you think that they're that they're going to follow these agreements? I mean, again, it's not like it is an enforceable sort of thing. Why would we tie our hands? Why would we cripple um, certain industries for this document that at the end of the day probably isn't going to be worth, you know, the paper that it is printed on? And I think that's the consideration that's going on. My my prediction is Trump pulls out, or alternatively, like I say, he sends the he sends the agreement over to the Senate where it, it needs to be ratified. You'll never get two thirds in the Senate to ratify it, so it, it gets killed one way or the other. That's not saying we don't need to continue to be concerned about again the the environment. And I love the polar bears as well as as anybody, but at the same time. All right, the, the estimates, okay, this means that if we don't, I saw something today, if the U.S. doesn't sign off on this, it means perhaps by the end of the century, there will be a, you know, 0.3 degree increase in, in the temperature. Well, okay, that's this, the scientists don't know that type of stuff. They're, they're just, they're just guessing and they don't have a clue, I think, any more than, you know, anybody else does because they've been wrong about a lot of stuff before. Again, I'm not a global warming denier. I, I think, there, there are obviously some of that going on as more and more people get on the planet. I'm just saying, all right, wh- why do we necessarily tie our hands to an agreement that I don't think anybody else is going to seriously follow? 1020, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1022, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The story of how Aaron Hills became a host site for the U.S. Open could be as amazing as the golf that will be played there in a couple of weeks. Wayne Larrabee and the Journal Sentinel's Gary D'Amato recount the story in Wayne's latest play-by-play podcast at WTMJ.com and on the WTMJ mobile app. Yeah, when, when you go to WTMJ.com, you'll see the section. It's mobile app. You can download podcasts. I know lots of you download podcasts of this show, and I very much appreciate that. But you can see our entire podcast lineup. Um, we podcast the shows, but we also have some special podcasts, voices that you don't always hear on the radio. Um, I encourage you to check them out. It, it is it is a done deal. Uh, all it needs is the mayor to sign off on it, and the mayor will sign off on it. The Milwaukee Common Council approving $2.3 million settlement in the Dontre Hamilton case. Um, the attorneys get a boatload of it. The attorneys get $1.1 million. The rest is apparently going to be in a trust Set in trust for Dontre Hamilton's son. This is a frustrating situation. I do not criticize the settlement because some of the decisions that the chief of police and the mayor and other people made put the city in a very, very difficult situation here. When the chief of police decided to take the position that the initial pat-down of Dontre Hamilton, Dontre Hamilton, who was the guy who was sleeping in the park, uh, Red Arrow Park, a number of people had called to complain. Christopher Manny, who was the officer at the time, goes over to conduct the investigation, um, pats him down, and Dontre Hamilton then grabs, uh, you know, grabs his Manny's baton. A struggle ensues, and Christopher Manny su- shoots Dontre Hamilton self-defense. Um, the 
everybody that's reviewed this correctly finds that there's no criminal activity here. And I understand there's still members of the Dontre Hamilton family who want to see the officer prosecuted for for murder. It wasn't murder. You need to get over yourselves. You you, you really do. Um, that's issue number one. Um, but the problem was when the police chief, and in this instance, to an extent, I agree with some of the comments that Bob Donovan, the alderman, made yesterday. When the police chief, I think partly out of political motivation and concern that, gee, we've got these issues in the community, when the police chief comes out and says that this is an out-of-policy pat-down and I am going to fire him for this out-of-policy pat-down, at that point in time, from a legal perspective, you have greatly you made it extremely difficult for the city to deny any sort of liability at all. Um, I understand the attorneys for Dontre Hamilton believe that the pat-down violated, you know, um, Supreme Court law. I'm not necessarily convinced of that at all. But regardless, the fact that the police chief decided to fire the officer for this, to fire him for a, an out-of-policy pat-down, I think was absolutely absurd. I think it was politically motivated. I think it was Ed Flynn, again, hanging out officers to dry. But once he made that decision, well, the the city was in a very, very difficult position because there was at least some admission that there was some wrongdoing on this, and the chief greatly contributed to it. So I understand members of the Common Council are are just, you know, doing the whole Black Lives Matter argument and stuff like that. And this was, that was a tragedy. There's no question. It is unfortunate that this happened. But every time there is an unfortunate incident, it, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that the police are at fault. In this particular case, I understand why the settlement was negotiated, simply because, again, the actions of the police chief and firing Christopher Manny, despite the fact that there was going to be no criminal charges, firing him for this out-of-policy pat-down. And I don't know that there's any other police officer who would ever be fired for a quote-unquote out-of-policy pat-down, but Flynn scapegoated Christopher Manny, and as a result, he put the city in a bad position, $2.3 million, go figure. 1027, this is Jeff Wagner, coming up in just a couple minutes. I've been, wanting to, I've been waiting all morning to talk about this story involving the, the, the Met mascot. If you haven't seen the video... Again, if you text the word MET to 414-799-1620, we will send you the video. It contains all sorts of warnings about graphic stuff, but if you want to see it, you know, send it over, and we're going to talk about it in just a couple of minutes. It's 1027. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1035. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ Brewers Baseball. In about an hour, our WTMJ Classic Free Ride makes a pit stop in Waukesha tomorrow. Join John McCure and Wisconsin's Afternoon News as they broadcast live from 3 to 6 at the Woodman's on Main Street. Register to win the stunning 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 convertible and tickets to see Pink perform at Summerfest later this month. That is tomorrow from 3 to 6 at Woodman's on Main Street in Waukesha. It's the WTMJ Classic Free Ride. It is sponsored by New Mail Medical in Tosa and Summerfest. All right. Um... All morning, if you have, we've been we've, we've been talking about this on the news. Um, if you haven't seen the the video, and you want a link to the story again. If you text "met" the word "met" to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, we will we'll send you the the story. And the, the the video itself is only a couple seconds. Here here here's here's the story. All right, um, 
teams have mascots, right? You know, we, we've got Bernie Brewer, and um, we've got the Racing Sausages. And I, I hate, I mean, I hate to say this, but, you know, those sausages aren't real. It's not a real chorizo that runs. I, I'm sorry if I am ruining people's image. It's There's people that get inside those costumes. Maybe I should have given a PG-13 related warning. I hope somebody's not going, Mom, I thought it was a real hot dog that was running. It's, well, it, it's not. There's there's people that actually get into those, and there, there, there's costumes that are there. And, and, you know, when you go out to State Fair and you see the different mascots, like they have the mascot day. That's a really cool day. We'll be broadcasting from the fishbowl at State Fair, and there's all these mascots that will come up and press their snouts or whatever up against the, the window it's, it's one of my favorite days okay but there there are people that are inside these mascot costumes um the, you know there, there's a person inside that bernie brewer thing and really they're bango bango's not a deer <laughs> bango's not a deer and i and I, i'm sorry it's just it's just okay yeah there is a santa claus there's no question in my mind yes virginia there is a santa claus but the the racing sausage there's a person it's a costume so anyhow the the met the Mets mascot is actually one of the more famous mascots. Um, not quite the San Diego chicken type of thing, but it's the Mets mascot has been around for years and years. It's an, I mean, I think since the team started, it's an oversized head with with baseball seams. Um, and there is a person in it. Apparently, there's different people in it on any given night. They, they, it's like, okay, you know, Harry, it's your night to, to wear the Met mascot thing. You're, you're going to be Mr. Met today. So, okay, so the New York Mets. Now, this is, of course, New York, where people um, maybe have a different attitude towards life than they do in, in uh, say, the Midwest. Um, and the Mets have, have not – they were expected to do really, really well this year. Um, but they've been struggling. They're like five games under 500, and they've had a lot of injuries, and there's been all sorts of distractions. Like one of their star pitchers decides he'd rather party than pitch, <clears throat> and he shows up late. They had another instance where um, they took a, a photo in the locker room, and somebody put a sex toy in the background, and then they tweeted this out. It's It's been the, the season so far has been kind of a hot mess for the New York Mets on, on so many levels. So last night, the Brewers... The Mets are playing. Brewers are ahead. They ended up winning seven to one, but they were ahead seven to nothing, and so the, the fans are not happy. Now the video, and it's just it's cell phone video, shows the mascot, the the Mister Met mascot, kind of walking um, from the stands in through through this like little tunnel, and there's people hanging over the tunnel, you know, and we don't know what they said. But they're, they've got the cell phone video out, and they're clearly yelling at the mascot. They're, they're clearly yelling at the mascot. And they yell something at the mascot, and the mascot wheels around. And, okay, he's got the, like, takes, takes the one arm and kind of puts it in the crook of his other arm and then raises a, a digit. Now, technically, because the character, Mr. Met, only has four digits, it, it's really technically not the middle finger because <laughs> there's only four. But but it is very clear the message that the mascot is trying to send. All right? Um, the Mets, and then, of course, the, somebody posts this immediately, and it goes it goes viral. I hate that because it's a cliche, but it's, it's true. It's what happens here. The Mets immediately, you know, issue a statement wherein they, they apologize 
for this. We apologize for the inappropriate action of this employee. We do not condone this type of behavior. We are dealing with the matter, you know, internally. So they say this um, very quickly. They haven't identified who it was that was in the costume, but my guess is a lot of people know. Okay, I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest. If you've seen the video or heard the story, I understand that this is a rude gesture. And clearly, clearly the Mets have to do something. You can't have your mascot making an obscene gesture at fans, regardless of what the fans might have said. But, but I want you to be honest. Now, we live in a society that is getting less and less civil by the day. There, there's no question about it. And, you know, there's been a coarsening of society, coarsening of society. And, I mean, I've been talking about it as long as I've been doing a, doing a radio show, you know, more than 20 years in this market. So there, there's no question about it. But I, I want you to be honest. When you see this video or hear this story, are you more amused or are you more offended? Is it, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that anybody, this employee, he's wearing a mascot, wearing this mascot outfit. I can't believe that anybody would think this was appropriate. Boom, 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 boom. Or do you look at it and say, you know, that's kind of funny. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to just take your temperature. If you look at this video, are you more amused or are you more offended and appalled by this? We'll discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Be honest. Amused or offended? We discuss next. It's 1042. And there's a bigger point to this as well, but we'll get to it. 1042, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies. Bring your wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the Mets are really sucking the ball. And 46, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, so the, this, this video has gone viral. It's the Mets mascot, Mr. Met, um, which is a giant, like, <laughs> a big baseball head is what it is. Guy's walking um, under the stands. Somebody says something to the person wearing the Mets mascot, and the guy turns around and makes what is generally conceived to be an obscene gesture at the man. The Mets have immediately issued an apology for this. They've said the guy won't wear the costume again, haven't said whether they're going to fire him or not. I want to have an honest conversation. Okay, this I can't tolerate rude behavior. I condemn rude behavior all the time. You know, I, I, I thought this was funny. I mean, I just, I thought it was funny. And truthfully, truthfully, I I wonder what was said to the guy, that the mascot that made him do this. Jeff in Wauwatosa. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Um, yeah, I understand that, that there's probably a lot of parents that don't want their little kids to see that. But I honestly think it's funny. And a better suiting punishment would be for the Mets to make him come to the next game in Milwaukee with a bar of soap tied over his mouth. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, okay, when you saw that, were you offended or were you amused? I was amused, and I think that I actually think it's funny when the mascots do stuff with, with you know, the opposing team's fans, provided that there's no bird involved. 
Um, yeah, yes. Uh, thank you. I guess I see. I all right, Beth. Uh, here, here's what Beth uh, texts. More amused, but it was right to fire the guy. Now I don't know if he's been fired. He's just been. They, they've said that he's not going to wear the costume anymore. More abused, but it was right to fire the guy because he represents the team and kids are watching. Maybe he'll have more self-control on his next job. Well, um, okay. I, 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 I agree you can't respond in this fashion. You, that's, that's part of it. You're, 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 you're going to be – you're going to have all sorts of stuff said to you, and I'm sure that there's this desire to retaliate. And I, I'm sure that what this guy said was something horrible. I mean, I, I don't think that the mascot just kind of turned around and automatically decided that, hey, I'm going to make this obscene gesture. So I'd be curious to know what was said. At the same time, you, you can't do it. But you know what? I, I just – again, I'm – I'm more amused than anything else. I kind of think this is funny. And if I were the Mets, would I fire the guy? No, I probably wouldn't let him back in the costume. But I'd be curious to hear what the other side of the story is. Kathy in Pewaukee. Kathy, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. How are you? Um, <laughs> I am well, thank you. What do you think? Uh, well, I have a similar instance. I, I hope no one's listening to my friends and family, but I, I too, was a mascot when I was in my teens, my late teens, and I had a costume, and I was going to name what kind of mascot I was, and they would take my tail, and they would twirl me around, the kids, like teenagers, mostly teenagers, twirl me around, they would knock on my head with their fists, and one time I just had enough, and I had four fingers. <laughs> right, and I don't know which one I use, but I use one of them. And I'm going to say something I feel for mascots because it does happen. You get to a point like you've had it. So I'm on the side of the big uh, baseball head. Right. So you think that, um, I- assuming that he was provoked, and I think that's probably a fair I'm sure assumption. He was. Oh, what? Well, yeah, it, it, it's New York. In, in the, with all due respect to people who are from New York, who are Mets or Yankees fans or Giants or Jets fans or whatever, um, New York crowds are notoriously rude. So yeah. the team's losing seven to nothing. It's a kind of a lost season so far. Really disappointing. You, I have no doubt. You're with me that he probably said something. Whoever there was definitely something that was said that provoked this response, huh? Absolutely. I'm not saying it's right. Yep. Um, but sometimes you just get to that bullying point, and you're just like, I've had enough, and it just comes out. You don't mean it; it just comes out, and that's how it is. Right. So you wouldn't so. fire you wouldn't fire him. Um, um, I don't think so. I wasn't fired. I don't think anyone saw me do that. Uh, <laughs> they were teenagers. You did but, it. Um, you did it before the age of cell phones. I too, I would imagine. Oh my! Well, I don't want to age myself, <laughs> but, um, but yes. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And my fr- my friends and family, they just think it's hysterical. So I hope no one's listening because <laughs> I'm sure they're going to call me. Oh, we we heard you on the radio. Okay, well, oh, great. okay, well, uh, Kathy and Pewaukee, we'll keep this just between you and me. Okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> Thanks for okay, the call. Appreciate day. it. We'll keep this just between you and me, Kathy from Pewaukee. Um, let's see. Mitch and Surgeon Bay writes: This behavior makes you look makes you a folk hero in New York City. That's actually that's actually the case. My guess is that there's a cottage industry going on in New York, and I, I haven't checked the New York papers in the last hour or so, trying to figure out who was the employee that was in this. Because my guess, in many respects, is if not a hero. Um, he's going to be the one that stood up to the loudmouth fan. Uh, it's a funny video. It, it just it is, and I understand we're supposed to be offended by these type of stuff, but but just just look at it. You'll get a good laugh. Um, it is ten fifty two. This is Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Hillary, Hillary falls apart.
It's 1055, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Bruce Brewers Baseball at 1135. That means um, we do Pop Culture Corner in the last segment of the show on Thursdays. We're going to move it up. Uh, we're going to move it up because I, I don't want to don't want to cancel the one today because it's sort of special after some of the events of the last couple of days. Hillary Clinton on the Let's Revise History Tour. Um, yesterday, she's speaking at a, a technology, you know, conference, and she just can't let this election go. Um, the, the way it's being described, if you watch her speaking at this, she, she's talking about why it was that she lost. And it's her theory is it's not her fault. Um, it was Russia. Were it not for Russia, she would have won. Were it not for Facebook and you know, the, the news that people, the fake news that people spread, she would have won. Was it not, were it not for national misogyny, in other words, that we're, we all hate women, um, she would have won. Now, that doesn't explain all the women that voted for Donald Trump, but it's, it's like that this rant and that this kind of meltdown that now she goes out there and it's this kind of revisionist thing. I, I should have been the president. I, I would have won. It was Russia that cost me election. It was James Comey that cost me election. It was stuff that got posted on social media that cost me the election. People hate women. That cost me the election. And at some point in time, you, you just kind of want to take a step back. And I understand that it, it's very difficult Especially if you're somebody like Hillary Clinton, who has been, you know, in the public eye for, you know, going on 30 years, who, you know, wanted to be president of the United States very badly, who thought that she was going to be a shoe in to be the president of the United States, and who clearly thinks that she's smarter than the person who is the president of the United States and smarter than pretty much everybody else out there, including all the rubes who voted for Donald Trump, at least rubes in the mind of Hillary Clinton. But at some point in time, um, you, you, you just, you just want to take a step back and say, don't you look at yourself and realize that you were just an incredibly, incredibly flawed candidate. And the truth of the matter is, Mrs. Clinton, that people just didn't like you. That, you know, for whatever reason, you weren't able, you weren't able to recreate the Barack Obama momentum. You know, people disagreed with Obama's policies, and you saw that over the years as they voted Democrat after Democrat out of office. But they liked Barack Obama personally to the point that they would run through brick walls to vote for him. You, you never connected, for whatever reason, with the American people in that fashion. Donald Trump... And this is from the perspective of somebody who is a conservative and Republican. Donald Trump was a horribly, horribly flawed candidate. And you lost to a horribly, horribly flawed candidate. And it, it wasn't, at the end of the day, it wasn't Russia, and it wasn't Facebook, and it wasn't the fact that American voters hate women, because women typically do very well in elections. It was the fact that American voters, or at least the majority of them, didn't like you. And you can go out, and I understand you can appeal to your base, and you can whine about these type of things, but at the end of the day, you're just going to have to come to the acceptance of this election was a rejection of the way you ran your campaign and you. And you, you can go on every rant you want, but, I mean, 
that the truth of the matter is somebody needs to do an intervention. And I don't know if it's Bill or somebody else, but somebody needs to do an in- intervention and say, okay, you know, do a little bit of soul searching and recognize that the first and primary reason is because that you're not in the White House is because you are a horribly flawed candidate who lost to a horribly flawed candidate. So what does that end up saying? Okay, coming up in just a couple minutes, um, it is the last couple segments of the show on a Thursday. We do Pop Culture Corner and lots more. Stick around. It's 1059. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1108. This is Jeff Wagner. Now, it's tough for me to get too worked up over football June 1st, but... um, there, there were some people. I, I went back into the newsroom, and there was some huge discussion. It was, oh, uh, the announcement is the Packers are cutting their punter, um, that they had signed a new deal with. Jacob uh, Shum has been uh, has been cut. Um, so um, he was their punter, and um, so some people are all, oh, my gosh, they're cutting the punter. It's I understand that might be a big deal, but I'll be concerned about that come September and June 1st. By the way, I wish every month of the year could be June. I just – I love – I love you. I love the fact that you know the daylight is extended. I love the fact that a lot of the times we're, we're out of the rainy season. By then, I just, I just, I wish every month of the year could be June. And um, I care about the Packers a lot, but uh, they cut the punter. That's the big news. I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over over that as a fan. Okay, a lot of stuff going on in the world, but. There, there's time for those things um, coming up on tomorrow's show. There's all sorts of things I want to talk about, including I want to revisit this whole idea of the fact that you've got Republicans in the state legislature who are about ready to do away with concealed carry permits. This, As somebody who fought for years arguing why we needed the concealed carry law, this is this is again what I talk about, you know, a solution searching for a problem. Uh, the training we have is minimal. It is ridiculous, and it there will be a huge backlash to simply say you now no longer need a, cur- a permit to carry a concealed weapon. I don't think there's anybody outside of some very, very hardcore gun rights advocates who think this is necessary or a good idea, and it happens occasionally you will have these stories where you have a very small narrow but vocal interest group and for whatever reason politicians who know better decides to pander to that small small vocal interest group and this is one of those situations um i just i don't think it's unreasonable to say that you need a permit to carry a gun if you're going to carry it in a concealed fashion all right but on Thursday, last segment or two of the show, we put away some of the heavy lifting. We stopped talking about the Trump and Russia concerns and things like that, um, spying on journalists, global warming, and we try to have a little bit of fun. I call this segment Pop Culture Corner. Um, like I say, we do it in the last segment of the program um, every Thursday. We've got an early baseball game today, so I, I didn't want to preempt it because um, the, the story over last weekend was, was Greg Allman who was one of the founding members of the Allman Brothers Band and who was, oh, my goodness gracious, for about 50 years. um, You know, this was, you know, this was a driving force in southern rock and, um, you know, a lot responsible for a lot of, a lot of songs that were kind of the soundtrack for a lot of our summers and our lifetime: Whipping Post, Midnight Rider, um, you know, th- those type of those type of songs that really became part of the American culture. Um, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne, Greg Allman you know, passed away 
last week, age of 69. He had uh, liver cancer, which um, very, very, liver cancer is very, very bad. And he had complications of liver cancer, and he ended up passing away. Again, leaving this leaving the, this vacuum. I had an opportunity to see Greg Allman in concert a couple times, most recently at Potawatomi in 2015. You know, you could tell he was... You could tell he was slowed down, um, but but he was still, you know, he, he still put on a, a really good show. But you know, he, he's now gone. Another one of these musical icons that many of us grew up with over the years, you know, passed away and at way too soon. I mean, sixty nine, just way too soon. For pop culture corner this morning, I, I wanted to turn to the world of music, and I, I call this segment "Gone but Not Forgotten." All right, Greg, Greg Allman has passed away, and he joins a long, long list of musical performers, people who have, again, been the soundtracks of our lifetime, who, who, have, who have gone. And so for Pop Culture Corner today, our topic is gone but not forgotten. You know, is there some artist, a performer, who you wish was still around making music but isn't? Who you know was taken to us from us much too soon? Who you really say, boy, I, I wish this person, I wish this person was still making music now, um, gone but not forgotten. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, our segments tend to fill up on the phone lines very very quickly. We're not live streaming it on Facebook this week, um, so it's just it's the phone and it's our text line. But gone but not forgotten. And my advice is always. Again, um, go with your first instinct. Sometimes on these segments, people tend to overthink it. But, you know, some artists that you just, you wish, man, I wish this guy, I wish this gal, I wish they were still here. I wish they were still making music. Lost a lot of incredible performers this year alone, and it's only June 1st. 414-799-1620 is that number. We're back with your calls. Hondo is lining up the calls. If you're on the line, hold on. 1113, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Eleven sixteen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ, Pop Culture Corner. This morning, uh, Greg Allman passes away. I call the segment "Gone, Gone but Not Forgotten." Um, artists that you wish were still around making music. Let's start with Mike and Wawatosa. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, I'm cheating because I'm taking two, but uh, for sure, Stevie Ray Vaughan and BB King. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean. What what an incredible performer and and what a tragedy in that helicopter crash down at Alpine Valley. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, again, what was I want to say? It was seventy seven. Um, could be off a little bit, but I mean that you you wonder what his career would have gone on to 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 be. I mean, it was incredible as it was, but if he had had more time, um, Sandy in Milwaukee. Sandy, you're in six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the one I missed most of all is Karen Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I was I was at a I was at a restaurant bar the other night, and there was there was a group performing, and they were doing Carpenter songs, and I haven't I haven't heard Carpenter songs in years, but I forgot how good they were. You know, I mean, it, you know, I mean, it's not hard driving rock and roll and stuff, but there were there were a lot of really catchy tunes there, and she was she was one of the driving forces behind it, and what a voice! I was just going to say, I think Richard found out who the talent of the two was. <laughs> You know, he, he, he is very talented, definitely. 
but she had something so special. Yeah, yep, and, yep. Uh, no matter how many times I think, I think of her. Yeah, um, and anorexia. I mean, one of those, those classic examples of that before people really realized what an issue that was. Now, thanks for calling. An, an incredible talent, no doubt about it. Let's talk to Steve in Wauwatosa. Steve, you're on 620 BTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. You know, I was telling Hondo, the first one that came to mind was, of course, Jim Croce, yeah. and then also uh, another one I hit was Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys. When that music comes on, here it is almost 60 years later, and it literally takes sweeps you back in time. Right. And it, it has something for everyone in there to listen to their body of music. Uh, pretty incredible talent, and... Uh, well, they had a real impact. Yeah, right. You're right. Thank, now, Brian Wilson is still with us, but a couple of the the other the, the brothers are are, are gone. Um, yeah, Jim Croce. I, that I, lately, I've been listening to. Um, I, I have. I hope this isn't doesn't sound to me as a trait like a traitor, but I mean, I I I have satellite radio, and you know, when I'm driving around, <laughs> I was just where I but I do. I mean, I, I I have satellite radio. I mean, I listen to TMJ for lots of stuff, but there's times that I, I just I don't want you know I I'm I'm listening to tunes and I listen to Radio Margaritaville, but I've also I mean a lot of the so- show the stations that I listen to are the ones that feature stuff from my lifetime. I mean, it's music from the '70s and the '80s and things like that, and it's just amazing. I was listening the other day. And there was a whole series of Jim Croce songs on back to back, and you know, "Time in a Bottle" and just, and then Leroy Brown, all, all these just, just great songs. And you know, that was somebody again taken way, way, way too close. I mean, I think there's generations of people who just don't remember, you know, what a star and what a talent uh, Jim Croce was. Dave in Waukesha, Dave, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hey Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, gone but not forgotten. Uh, uh, Harry Chapin. And if you've ever seen, I saw him right before he died. Uh, actually, right. at the PAC in Milwaukee. Right. And, uh, it's it's just incredible. It's basically a one man show, and it's just you know, you just lose talent. I mean, right. It's just uh, it's something you never forget. Oh yeah, I have a. I mean, I was a big fan. I mean, Cat's Cat's Cradle Cat's is probably Cradle, his most yeah. famous. Probably his most famous song. But I mean, there, there's all sorts of tunes that that he did as well. And um, oh, he seemed now again. I guess you never know for sure. But he always seemed like a really decent guy too. Yeah, he was supposedly a really good family man and, and, and things like that. But uh, just seeing him live, maybe you know, and you kind of throw that in right in concert with the you know with the with the venue and things like that at the PAC. Oh yeah, it was just uh, it, it was just. Something I'll never forget. Yeah, no, thanks. That's it. I, uh, I I was a big fan of the band, you know, that that played with with Bob Dylan, you know, the, the band. Um, you know, Levon Helm, who was a drummer. I saw him at Potawatomi about two months before he, he died. And he was he was fighting, um, you know, cancer a, as well. And I, I'm glad I had a chance to see it. I wish I had a chance to see him in his prime. I, I didn't. I said Stevie Ray Vaughan in the '70s. It was actually 1990. People correct me, and you are absolutely right. Time flies. Joe in Appleton. Joe, you're on 620 WTMJ. Gone but not forgotten. Good morning. Good morning. If the band still lives on. The movement still moves. But uh, Jerry Garcia and the Grateful from the Grateful Dead. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, you know that you're, you're right. The the band. I I, I got to tell you, I thought when Jerry Garcia died. That that might have been the end of the dead, but they they've continued to play on. There's no doubt about it. They're, they've sure continued. You still see the facets of them playing with other people, and as, even as they get older, they still jam and are yep. great stand on the stage. Yep. But you know, thanks to call. But you're but you're you're right. I mean, Jerry Garcia was just the driving force there. Dan and Caucana. Dan, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. 
Good morning. I'm torn between Steve Goodman and Alvin Lee. Um, let's go with Goodman because I am an enormous fan of Steve Goodman. Um, taken way, way, way too soon. Uh, just a, a brilliant, I mean, he, he wrote City of New Orleans, just a brilliant singer-songwriter out of Chicago. And, you know, you, you wonder, I mean, he's gonna be, been gone, I think, for, for upwards of 30 years now, I think. And it, you, just, you just wonder what his legacy would have been like had he, had he lived. I came, came home on Saturday night. I had recorded Austin City Limits, and I've never, never heard of the guy, and he was on there, and I fell in love with him. Yep. The end of the show and said he had already died, so I never got a chance to see him. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him in concert. He and John Prine, and I'm a huge John Prine fan. They were, you know, both coming out of the, out of Chicago and stuff. I saw they used to do uh, shows at Summerfest in the '70s. You know, at, at some of the the stages, the side stages. I never missed one. I mean, him and John Prine together were were just incredible. And thanks for calling. If you if you ever, I mean, if, if you like kind of catchy folk music, that kind of Americana stuff. Steve Goodman's a classic example. Let me take a quick break. We'll get some more calls in just a minute. Gone but not forgotten. It's Pop Culture Corner. It's 1123. It's 1125. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Pop Culture Corner, Gone but Not Forgotten. Greg Allman passes away last weekend and um, leaves a huge musical legacy. Lots of other people as well. Uh, we're talking about artists that you miss. John Denver, uh, Brian and Jackson texts him. Uh, Jim writes uh, John Lennon and George Harrison. Mitch says uh, you were talking about Smuggler's Blues. Glenn Fry, who passed away, you know, this year, um, he he was the driving force behind. He and Don Henley, the driving force behind the the Eagles. Um, all all gone, but not forgotten. Let's talk to George in Wapan. George, you're on six twenty BTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. I must be older than your previous callers who made great choices, but mine's Buddy Holly. Um, you wonder, so, if that plane crash hadn't happened, you wonder what he would have done over the next 20 or 30 years. I mean, what an incredible, yeah. what a gifted musician and ahead of his time. You just you wonder how he would have shaped musical, music over the years. Well, he could write songs. He could play the guitar. He could sing the songs with a unique voice like nobody else. In fact, one time, Jeff, when he was playing a concert in, in England, London, the Beatles, who were unheard of yet at that time, came out to sit in the front row yeah. to try and figure out how he was making the sound out of that guitar. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm thinking Buddy Holly, and again, this is somebody who, I, I mean, I, I know there's the movies like the Buddy Holly story and stuff, but I just think there, there's probably generations, at least one generation, maybe two, of people who love music who who don't realize the effect that, that Buddy, Buddy Holly, you know, ended up having. Let's talk to Dave in South Milwaukee. Dave, good morning. Morning, Jeff. Um, I gotta give you a two two. Hendrix just because of his absolute uniqueness and yep. just for the fun of it, pork from the Havana Talk. This is how <laughs> fun he was. I well, I you you know, um thanks to God. Jimmy Hendrix, Hendrix of course, just uh, again, you know, it's just what a, I mean, taken too soon, drug overdose. I, I mean I'd lump Hendrix and Janice Joplin. I mean, they all passed away kind of at the same time. Uh, Jim Morrison um, from The Doors. You wonder what Jim Morrison would have done if he had continued to live. You wonder what Jimi Hendrix would have done. I know there's a couple new movies about Janis Joplin coming out. And just, you know, what an incredible performer. And then on the local level, you're talking about Pork. His name is Jerry Armstrong, one of my favorite bands around here growing up, Pork and the Havana Ducks. And Pork, again, Jerry Armstrong, um, it was just, they knew how to put on a show. And you could find them at State Fair every night at, at Saz's. Um, just a, tremendous. And I, I just had an opportunity. I wasn't a friend of, of him, but I, I've met him on a couple occasions. And just a good show. David in West Bend. David, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. 
Okay, gone but not forgotten. Freddie Mercury. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the body of work he had with Queen, and just you, again, you yeah. wonder what what would it have been if he had more time. I can't even imagine. Um, no, it's uh, Freddie Mer- Mercury, certainly in that category. Mary and Pewaukee. Mary, gone but not forgotten. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Karen Carpenter. Uh, the Carpenters. Yeah, I I was just saying earlier. I was at this bar slash restaurant, and the band was the other night. The band was playing Carpenters tunes, and I. I, I, I mean, you know, it's not heavy rock and roll, but it's they're they're catchy and they were sort of ahead of their time and um, they, they sort of embodied the spirit of the '70s. And she was the she had a great voice. Just what a great voice! Incredible voice. Um, absolutely. Thanks for the call, Tom in Milton. Tom, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I'm looking at a poster on my desk. It says Otis Redding at the factory in Madison. <laughs> Wow, what year? Uh, yeah, Nineteen sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. You know, because he he died in that plane crash. That was it. Was right after he had. Fin- I, I don't think sitting on the dock of the bay had been released yet. I think he had finished it. Wasn't that released posthumously? I think it was. And actually, our band opened for Booker T and the MGs a few years ago at Waukesha Blues Festival, and I had a chance to speak with Steve Cropper. Right. It was his responsibility to mix that. It had been recorded. Okay. He had to do the mixing, and it was really challenging for him. The first version had all sorts of seagulls and, and right. angels singing in the background. They had, oh, to, to, had to get that out. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call, Tom. Sorry to cut you off, but I, we got Brewers baseball coming up, so I have to hit this um, right on the button. Um, thanks for all the calls. I'm back 830 tomorrow morning where we do this all again.